This Rhythm and News podcast is brought to you by the Port of Seattle. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Four organizations have come together to launch the Seattle Community Safety Initiative in order to curb violence in the central, southeast, and west Seattle. They talk about the initiative is Paul Patu with Urban Family, a local nonprofit that provides mentorship and training for young people in Seattle. Good morning, Paul. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing good, and yourself? Good, good. Uh, this is kind of surreal. Uh, you know, I grew up listening to KRIZ. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's uh, good, to, good to come full circle. Oh, definitely. And, and, Paul, speaking of coming full circle, you know, we've been dealing with violence, in particular um, youth or violence, which I tend to just, you know, refer to as, as young people um, because I think there's a tendency to think youth that it's just, you know, teens and preteens, but we're all talking about young adults um, who have fallen victim to uh, violence in our area as well. And, you know, everybody's kind of been um, waiting for some sort of initiative or somebody to, um, to address this problem. And it's one of those things where we as a community need to come together and we can no longer uh, afford to wait on the other person uh, or somebody else to kind of come in and intervene uh, on behalf of our community for us. And uh, this initiative looks to be the foundation uh, for something I think is going to be really special in helping to address this uh, issue moving forward into the future. Absolutely. Uh, let's yeah, talk a so, little bit about... Oh, go ahead. Well, uh, I was uh, going to mention, you know, this is not a new issue to black and brown communities. I think the proliferation of social media and uh, the mobile um the use of mobile phones, broadcasting into every every person that, uh, that basically has a cell phone uh, now also has uh, news uh, constantly being downloaded to them. And so I just think that it's a heightened awareness of all of the things that particularly uh, the black community and uh, uh, quickly after at least uh, research bears out that you know, brown communities, i.e. Latino, Polynesian, et cetera, uh, that we follow suit behind. Uh, and it all has to do with, uh, you know, social economic uh, uh, stability and, and uh, our, our communities really needing to be resourced uh, properly. Uh, I don't think it's a, 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 it's a simple issue with a very complex system to have to filter through. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the initiative. You know, let's talk about, well, number one, let's talk about the organizations um, that are involved in spearheading this, this effort. 
absolutely. So, um, you know, as I stated before, it's not a new issue, and there's also organizations like my wife and I's organization, Urban Family, uh, that have been in the trenches for many years. Uh, may not be known by, you know, so, some of the larger uh, groups and organizations. Uh, however, the people know us, uh, uh, and uh, the youth and families that we serve know us well. And so uh, Urban Family, uh, as well as uh, Southeast Network of Boys and Girls Club, uh, Community Passageways, and Alive and Free YMCA programs, we've been in the community for many years uh, fighting the good fight. And so I think the fundamental difference is uh, during the, during the uh, COVID and the uh, chaos uh, that ensued after COVID and particularly George Floyd, um, those of like mind and like heart, uh, particularly in the black and brown communities, we found each other again. And uh, this is a, a, an effort to move together uh, and, and not be so siloed. Uh, Part of the uh, tactic of white supremacy, and particularly um, as it relates to, uh, to uh, oppressive systems, is to keep us divided. And so, quite literally, uh, the, the call uh, to, to march together, uh, to rally together, uh, to, to lock arms together, uh, we found each other again, and we all know each other. And so, this time, you know, the spirit was different, you know. Um, I think that in order for black and brown communities to unlock our true potential, uh, it has to be rooted in unity. And, and, and we can't have unity without first having healing first. And so I, I really feel like, you know, in order to move us forward and, and all of us leaders uh, that are uh, kind of locking arms, we understand this, is that our, our communities uh, have been traumatized and those that uh, have been called to support uh, our communities have secondary trauma <laughs> from all of the madness, uh, particularly that happened in 2020. And so I'm really excited uh, to be able to work with my colleagues and, uh, and make a difference. Right. And, Paul, you know, let's talk a little bit about this, the um, collaboration. Let's talk about some of the foundation uh, of the collaboration because you guys are really, you know, working on the, um, the ground level or the street level and then working your way up and branching out um, to really encompass and incorporate um, everyone in the community's involvement. With that being said, can you kind of talk about uh, the mission and the purpose and uh, the vision that you guys have uh, for this initiative? Absolutely. Well, as I stated before, uh, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, many of us have been doing this work for, for uh, quite some time. Uh, Urban Family will be going on our 15th year uh, this year, as a matter of fact. And so we really are, 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 are uh, taking our subject matter expertise uh, in, in each respective organization uh, and then combining it with a shared vision for safety in our communities. And so the first thing, uh, aspect of the initiative is to ground our safety in specific neighborhoods, uh, black and brown neighborhoods. And so uh, from the Central District, which we all know historically, <clears throat> at least in Seattle, is the ep was the epicenter for all things African American, and uh, the Southeast Seattle uh, is the other targeted community, uh, and, uh, and uh, it also shares history like like the Central District, and then West Seattle, 
those three areas uh, will be uh, targeted um, and specifically in with safety hubs, physical locations and safety hubs um, in each community. And so uh, the second layer to the initiative is uh, what we're calling uh, safety teams. And our safety teams are quite literally, uh, Southeast Network uh, ran a, uh, has been running a program called Safe Passage, where it's literally trained with caring adults uh, that have been deployed into the neighborhood uh, that look like our kids and, you know, our, our kids, uh, they know them by name and, and vice versa. And so the idea is to build a layer of presence uh, reminiscent of, of when we all grew up. You know, I grew up in the 70s and, you know, it wasn't uncommon for, uh, you know, uh, an adult to, to pull my coattail if I was out of line, right? They, they, <clears throat> nine times out of ten, they knew my parents. And so this idea of safety being rooted in community connections uh, is the purpose for, you know, caring adults uh, and particularly adults that are trained uh, in, in crisis uh, response. And so the third layer is what is known as critical incident response. It's basically our crisis response team. And this is to not, to, not to replace law enforcement as much as it, as it is to add an extra layer uh, of support uh, related to uh, some of the issues that happen in black and brown communities where uh, really, you know, cultural competency and, and, and being able to relate uh, is a great asset, right? Uh, is that we see the, we see our own image in our kids and in our young adults and in our people, so we respond differently. And so even everything from the tone of voice to how we posture our body like we just are naturally, we come naturally dialed in uh, because we're, we're actually looking at a reflection of ourselves in our people, and so it's easier uh, to, to you know to start from that premise uh, as opposed to you know someone that's outside of the community they may not know our kids at all uh, uh, and may uh, res- you know kind of um, everything's punitive, right? They they go right to the law uh, instead of uh, for us it's all about relationships and building a, a sense of connection through community building. So, so those are the three uh, uh, layers uh, and uh, kind of uh, strategies, um, if you will. Um, and I want to say, and I think this is ex- extremely important, uh, this, is, this should not be looked at as these four organizations coming to save the neighborhood. Uh, that would be a wrong uh, assumption. I think the right assumption is that we are there with expertise to support the safety of black and brown communities, but it is extremely important that our communities, our youth, our families, our elders all get involved uh, because we all have responsibility uh, when it comes to the safety of our community. And I'll end with this. Our young people um, have simply been left to themselves and left in the marketplace, so to speak. Uh, It is our responsibility um, everything that's happened now, uh, even though there are very, very good reasons of why they're happening, like from a research standpoint, you know, whenever you limit the resources of simple, basic human needs and, and services, uh, you're going to get gangs and you're going to get crime. Uh, and there's a direct correlation between the lack of resources that flow into a community uh, and the level of crime that happens in that community. And so... You know, we're excited to, uh, to get going on this. Uh, in, in truth, we've already started. <laughs> this is just 
This is just an effort to move together. Uh, hashtag move together. So y'all got social media. Make sure you hashtag move together. Uh, it, it, it's something that, you know, really captures the spirit of, of, of what we're doing. And so, right. you know, our goal is really to connect people uh, and allow people to, to you know, to allow for human connection and relationship and community building to take its natural course. So, Right. And, and Paul, as, as we wrap up the conversation before I let you go, you know, can, can you briefly talk about the importance of uh, this collaborative as it relates to providing resources and training to people? Because for so long, I think so many people in our community have felt that they weren't empowered to uh, do anything to help solve this problem. And I'm not talking about some of the leaders. I'm talking about the everyday person who's in a neighborhood, like you said before, you know, everybody in our community was empowered to say something to young people when they saw them doing something wrong. They were empowered to call their parents or grandparents to let them know what they saw them doing. Um, and we've gotten away from that. It feels like people have no longer feel empowered um, to do these things. And you talk about training people in crisis training. You're talking about having these safety patrols. You're talking about having all these things that are so integral in the, into our community. You know, how important is it for people uh, in our community to, to, to not only uh, be empowered, but to feel empowered that they can have an impact on what's going on in their community on, on a daily basis. And also, with that being said, how can people get involved with your guys' efforts as well? Absolutely. Well, I think the the, the first question uh, really, at least for me, um, so there's two layers to it. And the first the first aspect is a high-quality training. Right. Like it's important that we, you know, we put our people in the best position possible by uh, training them and giving them uh, a kind of a technical expertise to know how to respond to crisis. Uh, and this is nothing new. Right. Like uh, the basis of our training actually comes out of um, crisis response uh, 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 and the framework of crisis response for first responders. Right. Uh, like the, the, the basic framework uh, comes from that. The other aspect comes from an elder by the name of uh, 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 Akil Bashir, who, uh, whose history is in the Black Panther Party, and it, it had to do with the roots of, of, you know, not only do you need to be technically proficient uh, and sound, but you also need to be relationally proficient and understand the cultural context of your community. And so I think there are two layers there. It's just like, yes, we need the technical expertise and skill to respond to crisis uh, so that there's no guesswork when it comes to responding. Uh, everything's already, the critical thing has already been dialed in, right, the protocol, et cetera. Then the other aspect is that, you know, you better be connected, <laughs> you know, uh, and, 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 and allow for people to know you by name. Uh, and, and this is, you know, what I think officers uh, have lacked in the recent years is they're afraid of our, our kids and our community. So quite naturally, they respond out of fear instead of out of relationship and, uh, and, and really knowing uh, kids and knowing their families. And so I think there's those two aspects. And then, well, I, I apologize. What was the last question? Uh, how can people get involved with your guys' efforts? Absolutely. Well, for our organization, www.urbanfam.org. Uh, and then, you know, more will be coming out about this, all of the respective organizations. Um, you know, we, we are in in the process of uh, of training our safety teams now. And so 
Uh, in terms of timeline, we should be ready around uh, around March to start rolling out, um, you know, uh, this kind of robust uh, safety plan for our communities. And so, and like I said, we're going to need all hands on deck. Uh, this is not a work that anyone should do alone, uh, but in partnership with our communities. All right. Well, Paul, I want to thank you for joining us on today's show. I want to thank you and your colleagues for uh, coming back together to put forth this initiative. Can I, can I get one last shout out? Yes, sir. All right. First is my wife. You know, <laughs> I never give her a shout out. So uh, she's our co-founder and, uh, um, and uh, operations director uh, that makes it happen. Uh, Dominique Davis uh, with uh, Community Passageways. Uh, Marty Jackson with Southeast Network Boys and Girls Club, and Marvin uh, Marvin Marshall uh, for Alive and Free, and also Marty Lawson, who's with Community Passageways. He le- he leads their uh, Central District uh, hub, and so we also have a, a video that will be circulating uh, to give people kind of a, a inspirational and high level overview of what the initiative is. But thanks for having me on, on board, uh, Brother Bennett. You've been uh, uh, an elder and a, a mentor in the, in, in, uh, in the community for many years. And shout out to you too, brother.